Welcome back to the latest episode of Let's Talk About It. I think many people today dismiss the power of observation. And in today's episode, we're going to discuss that. So, let's talk about it. All right, everyone, welcome back to the show. I am joined by Austin once again. He is here, and we are streaming from two different locations, Utah and San Diego, and he is flying out to Alaska here tomorrow. And how do you feel about that? I am so excited to go to Alaska tomorrow. I'm doing a two-week rotation at a clinic that specializes in manual medicine and osteopathic treatment. And so excited to go out there and learn some more. But also Fairbanks, where I'm going, is reportedly one of the best places this year to see the Northern Lights. So... At the cost of extreme cold, I am very excited to potentially see those. Hopefully the weather clears up so that I can. And it'll be a fun two weeks. All right. So we're going to get into this episode. And we are discussing observation, awareness, self-awareness. Um, and Austin, let's let's get it started. Talk about it. I proposed this topic because I think that it is something that has only helped me in my life. I think there's a lot of people who could use or could stand to grow in this area. And it the the phrase that came to my mind when I was thinking about it is being quick to observe. And I think that that, well, the origin of that comes from a, a scriptural verse talking about a young man who's, let's see, who was at the time 10 years old. His name was Mormon. And the exact quote is, I being about 10 years of age began to be somewhat learned in the manner of learning of my people. And Amaron, this, this older mentor type figure, says to him, I perceive that thou art a sober child and art quick to observe. And there are, no, there are a myriad of ways that we could go into that and talking about that specific phrase, but I really want to discuss social and environmental awareness. And this is something that's been fascinating to me for years. Even I remember thinking, I mean, years and years ago, how it was so fascinating that you could walk into a room and know something's wrong. You can know something's off, or you can know something's good. This is a happy environment. This is, no one says anything. You can uh, look around the room. You, you can see it. I think you can definitely feel it. But this is kind of what I want to get into to talk about today, being able to have social and environmental awareness. What, what does that spark in your mind, Nate? Any thoughts? Well, first off, I think being you know, the, the person who I am and who I was raised by my mom is you're always aware. You're walking down the street, you're aware of the around, surroundings, you're being observant to what's going on. When you're driving, you're observing everyone around you. You're not just kind of carelessly driving. You're, you're, when you're being more of a defensive driver and being observant to things around, you can see when people are coming into your lane. If you're walking late at night, you know, you're being observant of everyone around you. And I think it's carried over to being able, if we're talking about medicine, being able to carry this into the into the, rota the rotations that I've done the last two years, I get complimented by preceptors and doctors, man, you can read the room really well, you know, when to step back, you know, when to assist, you know how to uh, uh, add value or not, and when to add value. So I think it's, it's something that people need to learn. Um, and I think there's ways we're going to talk about it today and how to how to go about that. But I think it's a good trait. And I think as a leader, as a follower, um, you should have you should be able to observe. Yeah, I'd like to get into let's go on that route, let's get into more environmental awareness. And then we can get into more of the interpersonal skills things. And like working with other people, but just going into a room, 
and going into a clinic, or even if you're not in medicine, mm -hmm. if you're quick to observe and you're looking at, okay, how do these processes work? What are the, what's the structure of the hierarchy? Who reports to who and when? And I think that if you're a little bit more ambitious, you can start to imagine, okay, now where do I fit in? Mm -hmm. And how can I be here starting to make someone's job easier? I remember being on a rotation where this, the attending I was with did a lot of trigger point injections. And in his process of getting trigger point injections, I watched maybe one or two. And then I had understood his process and how it worked. So now I was positioning myself in the room so that I was at the right place to lower the patient's bed, to help them mm -hmm. get onto the bed. Yeah. I was starting to get out the same drugs, the same sanitization equipment that he was getting out before he had to do it because I had, I'd been observing the process and wanted to make it easier. And just like you were saying, I got glowing reviews. And even when we were in the fluoroscopy suite, he did a lot of spine injections as well, where I watched his team set up the room. I watched them lay sheets, clean, sanitize the equipment. And I inserted myself into that process to make the job easier for other people, helping the patients to their seat re or helping them reclaim their stuff and, you know, re-putting the, the sheets on there, all, all the things. And I just got glowing reviews. And one thing that he said was, I've never had a student who helped my team more than this one, mm -hmm. who, who integrated himself kind of into the process. And so I think that's for any situation you're, you're going into, especially professional, where you want to shine, if you show that you can, without someone having to expressly tell you or give you, okay, here's our standard operating procedure, read this and study this. If you can show that you can just observe and now you can help and you know, if you want to go a step above, you can improve a process just by looking at it and and you humbly right submitting maybe some some feedback to help improve things. I think you will just shine no matter what field you're in. I agree, and that's a hundred percent to the T of how you should do things in any situation. But we're talking about medicine here. Go in the room, give yourself a day or two to see how things are done. And as you said, what can you do to streamline every process in that clinic or in that room or whatever whatever field you're you're working in? But how can you streamline that so that the doctors, the MAs, the assistants are doing less so that everything can be faster or they can do other things? And I think, like you said, it to the T is pull things out, turn over the, the room quickly, uh, give a certain medication if they have like a pamphlet or something that they give. And when they talk about a certain topic and you hear them even broaching the topic, have the pamphlet out on the desk and ready to go. So I think that that is key for anyone who's being going into medicine. And I think, again, we kind of said this, but. When you're looking for residencies and you're, you're, we're going to kind of go down medicine right now, but when you're looking for residency spots, they want to see if you're going to fit in well at the clinic. They want to see if you gel with the people around and by being able, able to, by being able to incorporate yourself into that clinic easily and being observant of how to do that, that's very, very beneficial for your success and in getting into a residency program. Why do you think you're like that? Why do you think you do that? I think I'm, I'm someone who's a very visual person. And again, I can talk, come back to like my mom kind of instilling that in my head at a young age, be very observant. You know, I've always said this before, but she talked to me when I was young, like an adult, like, this is why you do this. This is why you're observant. This is why, this is why, this is why. So, and then being a visual person, I can see things and then do them. You know, I don't, of course, practice makes progress and makes, per, per, leads to perfection or whatever, but I can watch someone do something pretty quickly and then jump in and do it. And I think that helps with like, okay. The MA is getting this paper out. The The doctor is doing this when they do this. And I think it's just easy to see myself visually doing it, observing myself doing that in my head. And then I can easily just 
fill that role with an actual action. Well, I'll take that. I, I accept that as a good answer. <laughs> yeah. I think, oh, go ahead. No, I just, I think it's, it's something you have to practice. And if you're not used to it, it's going to feel awkward because you feel like you're going to overstep or you don't want to do the wrong thing or make the wrong decision for to help out. But I think it takes practice. Right. And it, it does require you to check some things at the door, maybe be a little bit humble. I was thinking about it for myself. I think that my parents did a great job raising me, giving me opportunities to help. I think my sister does a great job with her kids right now. Instead of, you know, go sit down or don't bug me. It's, we're going to make dinner. How about you come in and help? And that, you know, made me aware of processes, of, of processes, uh, of things going on around the house. And I think as I moved into grade school, I naturally wanted to be, I, it's maybe a little bit of a, a derogatory term, a teacher's pet, but I wanted to be helpful around the room. And I wanted to, yeah, I wanted to impress others. I wanted to make sure that I was helping and the other people, especially superiors, liked me and appreciated me. And that required focus, that required paying attention to what's around you. And I think now, I think one of the biggest struggles people have is that type of environmental awareness requires you to disconnect. It requires you to not have AirPods in all the time. And it requires you to not be looking at your phone, to be aware of your surroundings and the people that inhabit those spaces around you. And I, I love that you just kind of brought that up because that was kind of a point I wanted to go towards. And I think today, everything is so rapid. Everything is so fast. You know, we have our iPods, our, our, our AirPods, we have our phones, everything's rapid to our finger, uh, to the tips of our fingers. And we do everything quickly. But I think one of the keys to success about being observant and using observation to lead to success is slowing down, slowing down. And, and we can use the word observing everything that's going on, watching everything that's going on, and then seeing how, as we talked about, how can I incorporate myself into this to be an, of assistance? How can I streamline this? How can I make this better? And I think the key to that, to starting to be observant is slowing down, taking a step back and seeing what's going on in the environment. Right. And well, to an extreme, and I don't want to go off on a darker tangent here, but that environmental awareness could be a huge thing for you to guarantee your own safety and the safety of others. I'm not married yet. I don't have children yet. I'm, you know, we're going down that line, that trajectory, but I have <laughs> been told from, and maybe you can speak to this from other men that as soon as they have, were married and had children, there was this protective more instinct that they had towards their family members and they started to make themselves much more aware of if we're in a building a restaurant a clinic do i know where the exit is do i know who and what things are around my mm -hmm. family around my children my wife that could potentially be threatening to them and i mean a myriad of other things do i know how far it is to the car do i remember where we parked do if i carry a weapon do I know that it's loaded? Is it safely protected? You know, all of these things that could very heavily involve your safety, especially where we do see people, more deranged people going into places with weapons and with the intent to do harm. If you're so self-absorbed, so plugged into your virtual reality, you will not be able to help yourself or others in a situation like that. Yeah. And, you know, being the only male in my family for a very long time, I have so many females in my family and I was, I'm one of the only males and I was raised like that. Be aware of what's going on. And then when I talk about my mom making me observant and aware is those were the things she would talk about. All right. Where's, you know, where the exits are when you're walking, you know, 
make sure you're on a certain side of the street. If there's alleys, make sure you're guarding that side. So the, my sister or my mom could be on the other side, you know, whatever it is and being aware of that, you know, we were walking down in San Diego a couple nights ago or last weekend, we went to go get some Thai food and it was like eight thirty, nine o'clock at night. The kids were up, we were having fun time. We went to dinner and I went to go get the car, you know, Nicole's paying and I went to go get the car all like turned on, get the key the kids seated in their car seats. And I had Nia, I was holding Nia and I was walking with Nora like in my hands. And I was like, Nora, you know, you're, you gotta be aware it's nighttime. And sometimes there's people that are mean and bad in the world, right? So you gotta hold daddy's hand very firmly. And then you have to kind of watch everywhere you're going, especially at nighttime, because it's hard to see people. And she was like, okay, dad. And those are the things you teach your kids at a young age to be aware. And that's just a prime example of how I was raised and how I'm kind of shifting that to my kids as well. That's great to to start pointing that out and to start. Obviously, you don't want to flood them with like, okay, here's a whole here's a whole Law and Order SVU episode that I'm right. going to make you watch. No, but to start helping them be aware. I think you can do this with your with your children when you go to your church meetings when you go out into public. Mm -hmm. Hey, how many people were standing in that line with right. us? What color was the cashier's hair? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, you can start asking questions to help them be aware of the surroundings and, right. and make it a game because children want to play and game. I would argue that adults also want to play games, but children want to play games. They want to engage in a spirit of play, but it could be a, a helpful way to get them looking at the world around them and get them to be aware of their surroundings. And it's, it's, it's so true. You know, you go to these big events, especially with the shit that's going on today and people doing mass shootings, you know, what happened in Kansas City, like, thank God there wasn't massive deaths and i'm sorry for the person that was did lose their life uh, at the kansas city championship parade but those are the things that you know you would go to disneyland i'd go to disneyland as a young kid or go to the theme parks and my mom would be like you have to be aware and she, her joke was like i've watched way too many america's most wanted you know that old like sitcom show where the guy would like yeah. hey kids get abducted or people shoot and whatever and that's like she's like you have to be aware in 100 all the time and that's just how you're not you don't want to be like oh i'm defensive and i need to make sure that nothing happens but we are so plugged into our phones and social media and it comes i'll always come back to social media being a problem even though we all use it that we are unaware of what's going on around us and it's we need to be able to take a step back turn off your phone for a little bit enjoy the you know if you're at a theme park with your kids i know it's fucking hectic but enjoy that time with your kids in this environment that see the joy on their face don't worry about all the pictures and the videos like enjoy that moment in in real time so that you're also aware of what's going on around you. There are plenty of ways to start practicing to, you know, to get better. Turn off your phone and sit outside and just listen. Yeah. See what you hear. What direction is it coming from? How loud is it? Is it getting closer to you, farther away from you? And take in sights, look at color. Like there are, I think there are ways you can start practicing that so that we don't lose it, but we're definitely trending in a mm -hmm. negative way on that front. Before we go into, uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no. <laughs> Oh man, when they came out with the new meta virtual reality things, I was just like, are you fucking the, kidding the me? The Oculus? Yeah, like it's And now cool. the Apple Vision Pro? Right. Sure, it's cool. You can play cool video games, but when they were talking about like Facebook's coming out with meta and we're going to live our reality in in this virtual reality, I was like, dude, this is crazy. We're getting away from, away from being humans and want to be these pixelated people, but you know, it was same thing happened when like Pokemon Go came out on the cell phones there was kids when i was still living in san diego came out however long ago they were playing fucking pokemon go and weren't paying attention and fell off the cliffs into the ocean and died you know it's like that type of stuff you're not aware 
And with this virtual reality, you see videos on on social media, again, talking about social media, but people walking around the city with it on and stuff. I'm like, holy hell, dude, like walk into the middle of the street and get ran over by a semi, you know? How many times have you been run into or almost run into by somebody who was on their phone? Right. I've while done you were that walking in a the other day. Place. I was looking at my phone and almost walking to a freaking pole because I was like, I forgot what I was doing, but I was looking up something. I almost walked directly into a pole and I was like, I need to put my phone down. You know, like I need to pay attention. And you, we easily get caught up because it's, it's what social media and technology is. It's, it's hitting dopamine like rapidly. So you're getting sucked in easily. Right. Well, I think that being aware of your environment will naturally help put you in a direction to being aware of people and yep. of aware of people in that environment and give you that propensity to be looking at others and all the things that are going on with them. Right. I, I don't want this to seem like a I'm trying to reinvent the Sherlock mm -hmm. Holmes principle of that deductive reasoning. But even if you don't really know how to interact with people, you feel like you struggle with it. Start looking at people's facial expressions, their hair setting, their clothing, mm -hmm. the way that they're standing, the way that they're moving, their disposition, their countenance. Start trying to just look and observe that. And I think that's the great stepping stone to get you into working with others and having better relationships with others. 100% agree. As a leader and as, as I said, as a follower, you want to observe, but going down the medicine pathway as a physician, if you're trying to help someone devise a plan to better their health and you see them leaning a certain way, crossing the arms, um, kind of with a, maybe a scrunched face, you have to reassess on how you're uh, bringing this topic to them. Because if they're not, if, if you kind of just give them this, this, this care plan and they don't, show that opened up arms and they keep their arms crossed and they walk out of there, I bet you 100% they're not going to follow that plan. And even myself, I'll catch myself. Sometimes, you know, I cross my arms and, you know, I have, I'm not trying to talk myself up, but I have muscular forearms and muscular arms. Yeah, you cross, do. <laughs> when you cross your arms, it kind of looks like, oh, this guy is kind of like fronting or trying to show that he's tough. And I have to remind myself when I'm sitting there to open up my arms so that I that my patients are letting me know that I'm letting them into me as much as that I want them to let me into them so that we can devise a care plan for them. And it's it's every single day I walk in, I cross my arms I'm like, okay, I can't do this. I got to remind myself. So it's something being observant to help people to be a leader to be a follower is is so key. I think you can absolutely start by folk or you can start to focus more on your own body language, your disposition and how you're sitting. I think one of the most disarming st or seating stances to be sitting, looking at somebody, your eye level with them. So you're not trying to put in this hierarchy or this dominance feeling mm -hmm. or matrix. You're have relatively straight back, good posture, and your arms aren't crossed. You're mm -hmm. leaning forward, engaged to them. Mm -hmm. Right. That's something you can start and also being aware of your facial expressions. Mm -hmm. How are you receiving all anything that they're giving you in our profession? The one that we're going into, nobody is having their best day when they see us. And which is which is something that I think could be helpful for a lot of students going to pursue this way. Right. You're not encountering somebody when they're having the time of their life. Right. Well, You'll dermatology, seeing... except with a certain, certain, certain scenarios. Sure. Yeah. Hi, I'm Nate. I get to make you prettier. That's... <laughs> yeah, for sure. But at least the, the path I'm looking to pursue, people who have had these major life-changing injuries or traumatic incidents, 
like we're not coming in to just pass the time and, and shoot the breeze. And so being a, a very neutral plane for somebody to then speak mm. and share their most open thoughts. I heard a psychiatrist talk about how the key to his profession was you had to be unflappable. People are going to say horrible, horrible things that they are either thinking that have happened to them. And you have to sit there and not react. You have right. to sit there and just let them tell you and let them have a space where they can get all of that out. And so I think you very, you very much need to be aware of your situation you're going into when you're about to have any conversation or interaction with a patient, a client. And I mean, we can get into our coworkers soon, but what do you think about that? I 100% agree. And I made the joke about dermatology because no one, you're not really sick when you go to the dermatologist, but when a kid comes in with bad acne and you see that depression on their face and they're wearing like a hoodie or their hair is long covering their face, you have to be able to open up and let them know that you're there for them. You know, same with cosmetics. They believe that something in their face is not uh, beautiful or not attractive. And they're, they are, fe they feel that. And when Chaz was on here, we kind of talked about this before. Just because you, let's say you lost your stuffed animal, right? And that like broke your heart. And then I broke my neck and that broke my heart. We still feel it the same way. So you have to be able to read that and see that and, and, and allow yourself to feel open so that they can feel open to you. And I, I like the part that you said about kind of having a, a straight back and like leaning forward, but also read that room, read that patient that where, you know, show the sympathy, maybe lower your shoulders when they're kind of sad, you know, and then kind of tap their shoulder, tap their arm, read that. So you know, you're not also just so rigid, like I'm a board, but that's a good way to start, but also be able to learn how to read how they're feeling and kind of match their emotions. So they feed off of you as well. Right. Some, some mirroring mirroring. Yeah. Good word. <laughs> a great way. I think that's covered extensively in Never Split the Difference. Uh, I got to read about, that one. It's on my, it's on my list. Written by a hostage, an FBI hostage negotiator, personality mirroring. And it's, I don't think of it as manipulative. You're, you're trying to relate to somebody and trying to let them know they're in a safe space. And, yeah. and you made a good point to even look at, okay, now you focused on your own body language. What are you saying? Not verbally. Now look at them. How do they walk into a room? I have a fascination and and a training more in the musculoskeletal era or not era but field and so i'm looking at are they limping mm -hmm. is one and one stride longer than the other what's the positioning of their shoulders their hips are they favoring one arm over the other and sometimes you can't really tell if there's been a big change if you're seeing somebody for the first time but there's a lot you can gain just by looking at them do they wince when they sit down do they mm -hmm. wince when they have any other type of movement and how is their face conveying what they're feeling how is the tone of their voice or there's so much you can pay attention to and gather just from looking at somebody else and looking at their body language i love that you brought that up because we were kind of just talking about that when we were, you came down to san diego we were walking on the beach we ate some food we want to walk you're like hey look at this guy's hip look at this guy's shoulder look at the way he walks you know he has some some somatic dysfunctions and i was like yeah you know like look at the back of his neck look at the extensive sun damage and there's probably you know skin cancers on his back blah 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 and that's just that's being aware that's like you're being observant of their surrounding and you can also i think as physicians in the future and when we're a little bit more credible we can approach those people and be like hey you know you know i think you have this skin cancer on your back and you know i'm a dermatologist but maybe there's one that you would like to go see or hey i'm a physical medicine and rehabilitation doctor and i see this you know are you having pain and like yeah this this and this oh well here's something that can work for you or you know here's a doctor that i recommend that your area. And I think that's just something a way for us as doctors to give back into the future, not just in a clinic setting.
Well, if you have a proclivity for musculoskeletal medicine and you just want to pass the time, start looking at people's shoes. Start looking at the way their shoes wear and <clears throat> excuse me, how their feet are sitting in them, but then look at the soles of their shoes. You know, sometimes you're walking upstairs or you see the bottom of people's feet or, or shoes who are walking in front of you. And you can start to imagine why is that happening? Why is their foot sitting like that? And then you can take in the whole rest of the image from their knees to their hips to their shoulders, <laughs> how, how they're carrying their head, even how they're slouching. And you can start to put together a picture of, well, oh, that's fascinating. We actually had a teacher, one of our professors at Rocky Vista, who told us that he sometimes sits at the mall and just watches for people who have Parkinson's because he can pick out their gait, their build, their, <clears throat> excuse me, their, the way that they maybe don't have fine motor control mm -hmm. and he'll just pick it out in the day. And he talked about it as like a fun pastime while his wife is shopping. He'll sit on a bench and just watch for people who have Parkinson's, but there, oh, sorry, continue. I just think that's funny because you know, my accident, I have a weird gait now, but if you look at my sandals, the front of them, when I walk with my sandals are like all of them, the front end is like falling off the sole from the actual shoe because I, I have to drag my foot sometimes. And, you know, sandals aren't fully secured to your feet. They slip off and drag. So it's like, it's just so funny that you, you say that because that's something people like you would observe. True. And that naturally, I think you may, you hinted at this, but I want to talk about how this will translate into you being able to provide better care for someone or just being able to care for someone in your life. Yeah. I was at, I was in New York, like we mentioned a few weeks ago, and my, I was more leading the group or walking towards the front of the group. So I wasn't really aware of what was happening behind me. But my brother-in-law, who has a lot of experience hiking and taking people on trips through the mountains, he had often stays at the back of the pack just to watch how everyone's doing. Mm -hmm. And he noticed that my sister-in-law was limping. And so he, you know, didn't want to make a show of it, but he pulled her aside like, are you okay? It seems like you're limping. And she had these horrible blisters. And so he being very uh, very aware of how to handle blisters he's been on a number of hikes and helped people with a number of things that have happened to them on hikes he quickly okay well this needs to be taken care of now let's go to a little pharmacy here get you some things let's take care of this perfect now how long would she have suffered in silence i don't know but him being aware of that and being able to ask that allowed him to help her and to engage with somebody who was in, in need, even though they, I don't know if it was embarrassment or shy, but they, they weren't willing to say it. And right. then he was able to be an instrument and a means by which she was able to get some help and have a much better experience. Knowing her being the better Anderson, she was probably just trying to tough it out. <laughs> well, that's my sister-in-law, not my sister. Oh, my bad. Sorry. Yeah. Sister Both are named Sam though. So <laughs> yeah. Sam Anderson. So that's oh, crazy. Maybe she was trying to become the better Anderson. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we should all try to become the better Anderson. <laughs> that's funny. No, I agree with that. And um, same thing with, you know, care patient looking for family members, friends, but also as a leader, right? We as leaders want to elevate the people that we're leading to become leaders in the future. I think that should be the whole point of being a leader is guiding them to lead the next generation or the next group or the next platoon or whatever you want to call it. But we need to be able to see maybe what's not working for them. You know, maybe if they're having a bad day, you know, some people, we don't know what's going on at home, but being able to read people, being able to read their body language, being able to read how they interact to bad news or interact to good news or react to good news and react to bad news. And maybe how they, like you said, walk in a room is how we can help those mentees that we are mentoring. And I think that's something I would like to kind of touch on and your thoughts on that. 
what I have learned, I mean, I sound like I'm this this ancient of days giving Gandalf all this wisdom. The, Gandalf the White. Yeah, absolutely. I, it's and everybody that we talk about and follow and see content from, they all say the same that it is so highly individualized. If you're going to be a good leader, yep. if you're going to whichever subordinate or superior that you work with, it's also highly individualized. And so you will have a much harder time being successful if you can't make those observations of how does this person communicate? How do they receive feedback? And how do they work? What's their operation style? If you can't see that adapt, and then in the case of maybe you're leading a team, if you can't observe, you're not going to find the best people on your team for the best tasks right. and engineer their success. I think that was something that I did when I had a team that you were a member of this team. I went to each member of and in their respective roles and asked them, what's your vision for this role? What do you want to do? And what part do I play in that? Right. And they were able to lay very clearly, I have this goal. This is what I want to do. I could use your help in this area, or maybe I don't really need your help, but I'll let you know. Great. Then I laid out for them my vision for the team as a whole. And I was able to give them, based on their individual roles and their unique set of skills, tasks that I thought they could be successful at and tasks that I knew, okay, if I take this on as a leader, I'm going to die. I will like wither and die. But I was able to kind of put in their lap, here's a task that I think you're very well suited to. Here are maybe some pointers of how I think it should go. Now take it here from all of your knowledge, experience, and skill set and run with it. I'll check back in later. Let me know if you need any help. And I, we had such great results from that. We were able to accomplish some pretty incredible things, I think, and, and benefit a lot of other people as it was a person-focused program that we were implementing. But if you're not able to observe and understand those around you, you'll just have a much harder time making things like that work. And to that point and being able to delegate tasks to people that are going to be good at that job, I think also you have to be self-aware, self-observant of what you're not good at. As a leader, you know, you're not going to be 100% in every single task across the board. Being self-aware what you lack at and where you need help at help with is very key to being a leader and be able to find that place or that individual who can delegate to that to help you succeed. So I think that's another point to what you were saying. Oh, yeah, you have to be honest with yourself and self aware, right of where your shortcomings are, and where your strengths are. And you have to be honest about that and upfront about it. Otherwise, your team won't trust you or you'll produce bad content or bad material, bad plans. And people will they either won't be willing to correct you or they'll just kind of whisper about it behind your back. And it, mm -hmm. just, it just won't lead to very positive feelings or team unity if you don't also show that you are humble about where your strengths and weaknesses lie. Right. So now flipping to the other side, as, a, as someone who's being led or being a follower, I don't really like the word follower because you're kind of just following blindly. That's what it sounds towards me. But A team member. A team member, someone who's being led. I think also being observant and self-aware is very beneficial in your success as becoming a leader because you can see how people are doing things the wrong way. You know, I've, you as well, we have, as a DO, we don't have a, a home hospital program where we can go and, and spend time with the same physicians. We jump around with numerous physicians over a two year period. And we see how all these physicians do things a certain way. And you're like, wow, that doctor did this shit amazing. And I'm going to learn how to do that in my own fashion. Or, Hey, this doctor was crazy. 
And the way he reacted and blew up on his patients or blew up on his staff is exactly how I do not want to be. So I think being observant as someone who is a team member who's being led can also lead to success in um, developing you as a leader and being self-aware and uh, aware to your environment and social as well as social social cues. Absolutely. Do you know how many mistakes you don't have to make if you read a book, if you observe on the job mm -hmm. things that you like and you don't like? And it it just it, it practically, right? Even if you're thinking if you can't really abstract or get into the metaphysical concepts and the deeper things that we're trying to insinuate here, it just practically I can save myself so much time and hurt and maybe even money, definitely money. If I look at how other people have success that I've seen around me and how they don't, and it, it might not be necessarily success or failure, but just personality traits. Mm -hmm. I like how they had that conversation. I don't like how this person runs their team. And you can incorporate these things just by watching and you don't have to go through the, the trial and failure right. of learning it for the first time because you've seen how other people do it. I think a prime example of that is when it was my second rotation of third year and my first one was psych. No, it was my third. So it was psych. And then I did internal medicine and did my second one internal medicine right after that. And for those two first months, I was introducing myself as student Dr. Marquin. And I was like, hey, I'm student Dr. Marquin, blah, blah, blah. I go on my third rotation and it's with a hematologist oncologist, uh, Dr. Luke Mountjoy. He's a DO, best doctors I've ever worked with. And he went into his patient room and was like, hey, I'm Luke. I'm your doctor and I'm going to care for you today. And I was like, holy shit, my mind was blown to see their reaction, to see how these individuals who are dealing with blood cancer reacted to his to him introducing himself by his first name. A lot of people think we're doctors and that we put ourselves on pedestals, but we're no better than anyone else. We're just human beings. So from there on out, I never and will never introduce myself as Dr. Marquin. It's I am Nate and I'm your doctor. And if you want to call me Dr. Marquin, you can, but I am Nate and I'm here to care for you. And that's just something that I observed by him. And it's I've incorporated into my own style. And I thought it was amazing. And that's just a prime example of what you were saying. I think it shows a huge level of humility that will only garner or garner favor and rapport and trust with your patients. Similarly, I had or I am on a rotation right now where this physician I'm with, I have never seen a physician use physical touch in such a such an appropriate and productive way. Mm -hmm. And I'm not, you know, touch has a weird kind of connotation to it. But yeah, I'm, what's going I'm, on with everything nowadays? <laughs> exactly. I'm referring to hands on shoulders, mm -hmm. or, or gripping someone's hand who's going through a hard time. And a, a pat on the back to somebody who is telling you a joke, and you're riffing with them as well. But I, he is so, so talented and so good at it. That I asked him about it. I said, I, I've noticed you touch your patients more than anyone I've ever seen. And is that part of your training? Does that come natural to you? Does I know you're a DO is was that part of the DO mentality that you and he said, No, no one really taught me this. But it's these people are having a terrible time. They don't want to be here. And anything I can do to help them feel more at ease, to help them trust me more, because I have their best interest at heart, will just lead to better outcomes for them and a better experience for me. And so it just feels very natural to put my hand on someone's shoulder who's having a hard time, to hold a, an elderly woman's hand who's really having a hard time with her broken hip and just tell her, I'm, I'm here for you. Let me help you. 
and uh, I promise you that I'll do the best that I can. And and it's true. He's true to his word. He does yeah. provide for his patients. But that kind of being able to observe that, this is what I'm going to towards your point. It's a long-winded way to go to your point that if I wasn't observing and quick to notice that this was something different than what I had seen as a standard, then I would probably have never really had a concept of how, okay, now how do I want to apply this? And how do I want to make sure that I can appropriately use touch to comfort and strengthen and build rapport with patients. I agree with that. And just to be self-aware and be observant, you also want to read the patient, read the room, because you also don't want any lawsuits that you disrespectfully touch at someone in the wrong way. So that's another key to be self-aware. I have another example that happened last week. So with a patient, um, you know, I was doing the numbing, I was about to do a biopsy. And I was in the room and the doctor left and I was having a conversation. And something just seemed off. And I was like, you know, like, how, how are you? Um, she was like, yeah, I'm selling a property of mine. And I was like, oh, how long have you had it? And she's like, six years. And I was like, okay, you know, just kind of like I had a, a concerned face. And she was like, it was my son's and he died in August. He, he drowned. He tragically drowned. And, I, you know, I touched her shoulder and I, I rubbed her back. And we had this conversation. On, it kind of led to something. And I was like, you know what? Can I give you a hug? You know, and she was like, absolutely. Thank you so much. And she was like, there was something I didn't even want to bring up my son's death, but there was something about you that told me I could, I could, I could open up to you. And I think that's your body language. That's feeling out and seeing how, again, how she felt concerned and kind of was holding something in and being aware. So the point I wanted to make was being aware of the person who you're, who you're interacting with, because I asked a hugger, someone could take that the wrong way, but also kind of spun from that is being aware of your patient and, and kind of mirroring, like you said, to make them feel comfortable. I think you're going towards a, a word discernment, discerning someone's nature, mm -hmm. their, their countenance, even someone who you can probably tell, or at least feel if you reach out with your feelings, mm -hmm. like was counseled to do, <laughs> you can tell that they are sad or downtrodden or happy. And there are word clues too. That a patient can, well, how are you doing today? Well, better today. Right, right. Well, what's, what's, what's so great about today? Or some, something happened yesterday? Are you doing okay? Right, there are word clues that, and indications you can pick up on. And you can ask more about that in a very open-ended way. And if someone says, I don't really talk about it, fine. Well, oh. I'm, I'm here to support you. I, it seems like maybe you're not yourself but I'm happy to do what I can within my scope to help you. And you always don't want to cultivate an inappropriate relationship, right? You don't want to break those boundaries of professionalism, but there's quite a bit you can pick up on by listening and, and discerning the person in front of you. Yeah, I think, uh, I think 100%, I agree with that. And I think that's a, it's hard, right? Because we're, you may have, you may be socially awkward, but you have to practice, you have to try. And again, I think, I want to reiterate this is is slowing down, seeing what's going on in the room, seeing what's going on with who you're talking to, see what's going on, who you're yelling at, you know, like slowing down to be aware of what's going on to allow yourself to react the proper way or have the proper facial expression, have the proper body language to make that whatever situation go successfully. It honestly, if you're looking to practice, I don't think you need to be a, oh, what's that Canadian comedian? He said a rocket science a rocket doctor i don't know he was trying to combine the two like a, a rocket scientist or a a doctor a, a neurosurgeon something like that can't remember what the phrase was exactly but very simple things i was shopping yesterday for some new thermals and 
long johns Alaska. some some long johns yeah i was getting some long johns and some wool socks one of the salesmen at shields came up to me and asked oh what are you looking for today and i was looking at wool socks i said well i'm getting some wool socks here and then i need to go get a new base layer some thermals it does not take a genius to think this person's probably going somewhere colder than it is right here right now because you're in utah where it's cold because i'm in utah exactly and so very natural question. Oh, where are you traveling to? I had a great conversation. He recommended some things for me. It was great. But like the little things like that, that you can just intuit naturally as so simple as someone's buying warm clothes. Maybe they go somewhere cold. I can ask about it. Like it's, it's mm-hmm. little things you can start to do to practice just from what people tell you. And I think it, yeah, it's, it, it is somewhat of a personality trait. We were getting lunch the other day and we were at like a deli. And the girl was just blank stare, kind of rude. And I was like, I was getting pissed off. And I was like, that's just her personality probably. Where, But also, where's the customer service? You're working in customer service. You should be gregarious. You should be happy. You should be like punctual and everything and, and, and reading everyone else's cues. Like we're all excited to be at the museum and, and going around Balboa Park. You should kind of be matching that because where you're working. So I think. I think it's also a personality trait that people have to kind of work on. And like you said, you know, be aware of those little social cues, warm weather, cold weather, uh, and just kind of learning how to react the proper way. We've talked about a number of ways to start practicing. I would say start looking at what other people say and do disconnect from your phone and your AirPods, listen to what's going on around you, look at the world around you and just start to observe things, try to remember them, look at the way or listen to the way people speak to you. Watch where their eyes go. Watch their body language and try and interpret and intuit, well, why might they be doing this? And I think that's a great way that you can start going. Yeah, so I think I think all those points are great. And I think to wrap it up, you've already kind of touched on this, is maybe read some books. You know, I think everybody, you, you touched on this, why fail? It's good to fail sometimes. I'm not saying don't fail, but why why go through shit when so many people have already done it before you? right? You can learn from all these books. And I think that's one of the things that I love about the 75 Heart program, the Live Heart program is the 10 pages a day. You're going to learn from people that have gone through the hard shit to get the, 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 the success. So you can you can streamline that, you know, and I'm reading a lot reading a lot of real estate books, you know, I want to invest in real estate. And why should I have to like struggle to learn the basics when all these books have it laid out for me? And I can just learn from that rapidly. So that's, that's another tool to being observant is maybe find some books on observation, maybe find some books on self-awareness, read it and start implementing it. Where we live in such a world where it is just less common for people to have these skills and to practice these skills. I don't think it's selfish or conceited or diabolic at all to realize that if you can practice and become proficient and even very skilled in these areas, you will stand out. People will want to be around you employers will want to have you they will want to promote you and want to have you running their operations clients and patients will fawn after you and they will want to be around you to because they feel like you're real they feel like you pay attention and you know them and so it's only even if you improve a little bit it will only benefit you in the long run i agree and i don't want to keep piggybacking off the things you're saying but I brought this book up a few times. It's 92 tricks to talk to anybody. And one of them is one of the, the tricks in there is like body language. He's like, when you walk into a room, you're think about your top of your head being 
stuck to that frame when you walk through. So you walk through like very tall, chin up, you know, with a smile on your face. And that, like you said, you kind of already said this, people see that and they're drawn to that. Like, wow, this person, this person, you know, is confident. This person is someone who's happy. This person who is someone who is going to bring joy to being around. And I think that's, I was trying to piggyback off. Of it. It's good for you and people are going to want to be around you. Um, that main point is to carry yourself a certain way and people will see that and be aware of that. And, um, that'll help you be successful.